For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, 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 what up, what up? You are listening to I'm Probably Right. I'm Reggie Watkins. Kevin Cleland, my man, is running the boards, engineering the show. Kevin, what up? Thank you. Yo, Reggie, doing great. Always happy to be running the show with you. We're back to the Blue Check Diaries with... uh. A good buddy of mine, a friend of mine from the north. Uh, some people call it Canada. I call it America Junior. Um, <laughs> we got my man Brad C. Smith on the line. What's cracking, Bradley? And you've just lost all your Canadian listeners. <laughs> Doc, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. That was so good. That was what, good. But when I call it America Junior, do you guys, because my wife is Canadian. She's from yep. British Columbia. And so she's always trying to say, like, well, we don't even want to be America. But I kind of feel like you guys do. I mean, Brad, am I wrong here? I don't know if it's like we want to be part of America. I just think because 75% of the channels on our TV are American channels, we just get so much U.S. in our daily life. You know what I mean? Exactly. But- it- but I don't think like America Junior definitely not. We're, <laughs> we're, like we're proud as hell when we won, you know, uh, World Cup women's soccer. Like we were jumping up for joy when we win hockey against you guys. We are, uh, you know, we're in a bar downtown, closing down, you know, the Dundas Square in Toronto, which is like Times Square. But- so I think I think predominantly we're like super proud to be Canadian. But at the same time, there's people like me that would, you know, I prefer spending a lot of my time in the states. Yes, you do because you yeah. know you got you got work out here, you know. Um, but when you say you guys beat us in like hockey and stuff, I mean, shouldn't you? <laughs> but yeah, shouldn't exactly. you? Shouldn't you? We I mean, should. you guys we should beat should. us all the time. And so the rare occasions, which happened a couple of years ago, um, you know, I do remember uh, the World Juniors where the United States got all up in that ass. Got all up in that ass. You can tell that you've lived in Canada for some time in your life because everybody on the fucking line right now is like, who the hell is the World Juniors? What is the world? (laughs) Ain't nobody from the state turn of the World Juniors unless you live in North Dakota. Exactly. Doc, I was celebrating it because my brother, both of my my brothers-in-laws, all of them are super Canadian Canadian fans. And so I was actually there when the World Juniors were happening. Yeah. And when we won, oh, it was USA, USA. And, oh you know, I'll be in the USA, clowning the USA when I live here. But I'm in Canada. <laughs> yeah. I'm on. I'm all yeah. about the USA, man. So so what's yeah. going on? How you, how you living, man? How's everything oh. going in the States? Oh, and for the listener at home, the World Juniors is a hockey tournament for a 19 and unders. That's yes. how, low, how low this discussion started. <laughs> Next, we'll be talking about betting on pickleball in Venice. <laughs> But we won. Uh, we won. Just as long as everybody knows, yeah. America, we won a couple of years ago. So, yeah. so you're here in LA, though, though, man. And so, how's that? How's it going? How's the transition? Are you living now, or are you just here for a while? So I, I'm here. I've been here for three months. Uh, myself and my uh, business partner slash girlfriend, because she's a smarty pants and I'm not. 
we actually started a company. Can't get too much into it. We're, we just, we started a tech company, and that's why we moved down here. Um, yeah, no tech company. That's what you really think of when you think of host of a baking show. Duh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're under a lot of NDA, NDAs, so we can't speak too much about it. But we're down here living the dream. We work from home. Uh, you know, I've lived here in the past, and you know, there's just there's not too much like LA in the world. It's the best. It it is it is one of the best cities. However, you are from uh, well, you're from Montreal, correct? Yeah, originally Montreal, yeah. originally from Montreal. But I met you in Toronto, which I think is one of the greatest cities in the world when it's not cold. When it's when not it's cold, cold it's, yeah, yeah, I'd I'm agree good, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, good. when it's when it's cold, I'd rather be anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, but in the summer, Toronto is amazing like people people from the states always ask me what it's like and i'm like it's like being downtown chicago you got the water real close you got great food what a great food city it is uh the women are extremely beautiful uh and i mean there's just everything to do dude it's one of my favorite cities in the world when it's not when it's not cold montreal the same way montreal, montreal. is one of my favorite cities in the world when it's not cold it's i like feel being like in europe right yes yeah it's like being in paris without the extra rude people um <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've had a good experience there though, because <laughs> quebecers can be quite tough yeah i've heard quebec is like the they're like if you want to feel paris in montreal go to yeah. quebec go to quebec. Go to quebec i mean go to quebec city go right? to quebec city is right quebec city um so you're here in la and you're also hosting uh it's the big bake right yeah, yeah. I, big, when I signed up for the the Big Bake, I thought it was a completely different show. Uh, <laughs> I was assuming that it would, you know, the the, the time was the shooting times would be about two hours in a dark <laughs> basement uh, with your friends, just you know, puffing on OG. But um, no, no, the Big Bake's great, man. Uh, I, I hosted Chopped in Canada for a while. Yeah, um, and and then I got lucky with this transition because it was a Canadian-based US show. So we were, you know, for a Canadian kid who. You know, one of your dreams as a Canadian, if you're on TV, is just to get some sort of platform in the States. So when this opportunity came, uh, oh, my God, I jumped at it because, you know, you get to work with great people. I get to work with Eddie Jackson, one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life and uh, former NFL player. So immediately, as soon as we got on set, it was like being back in the locker room. And uh, yeah, it's an amazing show that I'm just so happy to be a part of. Yeah, man. And so Big Bake. Um why is it better than the Great British Baking Show? Is it well, better? Well, first of all, we have uh, a way better dental program in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you guys uh, use fluoride. You guys yeah, use yeah, fluoride. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We have fluoride. <laughs> uh, it's in our water just by nature. So naturally, <laughs> even if you don't brush your teeth, you just got pearly whites. Uh, you, listen, baking shows are all all kind of the same. They're in the same realm. What what we do that's different is our cakes have to be a minimum of five feet tall. And that's what totally changes the game. Yeah. And they have to move. They have to open. Like we had a cake one time that shot fireballs out of pig's nose. Like it's just, it's such a ludicrous idea for a show, but less than it is about how the cake tastes. It's more about how big can these, you know, bakers, designers go with the scale of what they're trying to do. And can they impress us within, because most cake shows of this nature, they're done over two days and you get like a full two-day bake we we do this all on set in one day in five hours so it's kind wow. of crazy though. yeah wow so how many and you know how it is on guys... set yeah you know how it is on set though too right because five hours you're like oh yeah five hours got tons of time that goes by in like 30 seconds 30 seconds i mean like yeah. like that so how many episodes are you guys shooting in like 
a day? Are you doing one a day or are you guys getting like multiples in? Yeah, one a day. Uh, we shot a 23-day structure for 18 episodes. Wow. Yeah, so it was one a day. But which was it wasn't actually that tough for us because I had done Chopped, like the Canadian version. And mm-hmm. we did 56 shows in 65 days. Wow. One a day. That was... By the end of that show, it was like I was like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Just I didn't want to friggin' wake up and hit the alarm because I'm like, okay, what mystery ingredients do we have today? Just shoot me. <laughs> so, so Big Bake, how did that come about? Because I mean, let's take everybody back. So the people listening to the show, um, Brad C. Smith is is also I, I like to I'd like to say you were a dinosaur. You were the last of the dinosaurs because you were. <laughs> Hold on. I can't but, wait to see where this goes. Because you were a white wide receiver. You are one of, <laughs> you, were, you were one of the last holdouts. Like you were you were a white wide receiver and and a damn good one. I mean, hell, you played professionally in uh, Canada. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. How did Jeez. this how did that come about? Because I mean, were you always a wide receiver? Was this something you were like, "No, I'm going to make this happen." In the face of all these black guys running past everybody else, I'm going to be the guy who stays the, the oh, course man. and makes it as a wide receiver. Like, how did that come about? Uh, to be honest with you, I never, like, so when I grew up in Quebec, unlike the rest of Canada, Quebec is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Like, we have the largest Haitian population outside of Haiti in the world. Like, we, uh, we got a lot of, you know, Asian guys who are really good at, like, it was not just like a, you know, Canada seems like a lot of people think like when you watch CFL, specifically the Canadian Football League in Canada, they think it's like a, a lot of white football players, but the diversity is there. And so when I grew up, I just never saw the color aspect. I just was like, I got to beat this guy out. Yeah. And I'm three inches smaller. I'm probably the same speed. I probably have a little edge up on the hands. Our mentalities are about the same. So for me, it was, I wasn't going to be a defensive player because I just don't have that killer mentality. Uh, I, I, I was never the person to stick my nose into attack. Like, honestly, dude, my first play in the CFL, I, they put me on punt cover. I'm like, coach, <laughs> coach, what the, f- what are you, look at this body. I look, I'm built like SpongeBob SquarePants. You're going to put this, this guy out on punt cover. So I go down. I'm covering a kick. I blast the guy off the line, the coverage guy. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to make this tackle. I'm going to get my name in the paper. I'm on TV. And boom! As we all know on punt cover, anyone who knows football, the guy covering me peeled off and just put me out cold. Oh. And I came, came off the sidelines about five minutes later after being on the ground, looked at the coach and go, look what you did to me. So my <laughs> whole life has been about, okay, I got I to gotta find what I'm good at, what my niche is. And in football, it was – I had quick feet for, for a white kid and you know, you know, like we make fun of it and I, I don't use, mean to use any terms that are inappropriate, but like, you know, white people have terrible hips when it comes to football, right? Like mm, that's, mm. that's why we're not cornerbacks, linebackers, professionals. You said it, you said it, not me. You said I did. It, not me. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I, I hold that hand to God on that one. <laughs> Jesus. But I, I was lucky enough to have really quick feet and I ran a 4-4. So, I mean, it just kind of, I took that as long as I could. Oh my Lord. You ran a 4-4? <laughs> Yeah, man, and, and people say that's not. I did a four four three electric at my combine. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So I was, I had some speed, but my problem was is that had quick ten yards, but then my burst was like I was a I was a ten nine five hundred guy, mm. which is k- kind of fast. Not, I mean, it's it's not breaking on like you know NCAA people would kill me, but at the same time, that still was a you know for a slot back, you're running ten to twenty yard routes. You're not the deep guy. All the time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Wow, that's damn good, man. I didn't know that. 
That's, I love so, how I just made fun of all white people trying to be football players. <laughs> you can't do that. You got those terrible white hips. <laughs> Such an inspiration. Such an inspiration. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. So, so was okay. So, but football in Canada, growing yeah. up in high school, how was that the thing you gravitated towards instead of like hockey? Isn't hockey like the biggest yeah. draw? Like, how did you not do hockey and just go towards football? in Canada. So long story short, my parents weren't going to let me play football till I was fully grown anyways. Um, they were very conscious about that because I was a, like a really small kid. I was five, five in grade 10. Um, hmm. I just didn't hit a growth spurt. So I was a swimmer my whole way up. I was a swimmer. I was junior Canadian nationals until I was 14, 15. Uh, and that's what I thought I was going to be doing. And then I hit a growth spurt up to six, one, but long story short, football was where I went to because my dad played 10 years pro in the CFL in the seventies. Mm -hmm. And he was a stud first overall draft pick, uh, in Canada. And then he ended up, uh, being the CFL commissioner, uh, for five years. And then he actually ended up being the CEO and president of one of the teams down here in the CFL, the Montreal Alouettes for 16 years. So it was just football was in my face for a daily basis. And everything that I ever did that I was good at, it was, Son of Larry Smith, Larry Smith's son. Uh, like I was never, I was always the second tagline. So it was always my fight to be like, okay, I got to live up in the shadow because my dad's done everything before me and he's done it at a way better level. Wow, that I did not know that. Well, actually I, I kind of knew it because it's from your Wikipedia, but hearing you say it <laughs> sounds so much different because you never really think about, you know, uh, you don't you don't really think about white athletes having to live up to their dad because we don't have any famous stories besides like Larry Bird, but nobody knows who Larry Bird's kid is. Or, you no, know what I mean? Like, no. we, you know, we know Bob Greasy, but Brian Greasy, he was okay. But hearing that your dad was the number one pick and yeah. like the president of the CFL <clears throat> and then the president of Montreal, and you've got to live up to that. That's so crazy, man, and hard well, to do. Yeah, I think, I think if anything, and again, I don't mean to say stuff that's inappropriate, but I, I truly believe it. I think if anything that COVID's shown us is the fragility of the white ego and especially the white male ego. And you see a lot of people that have famous parents specifically that come you know, from people like myself that grow up in affluent situations and they don't make it to where their parents are and that's the expectation that's set and then their lives collapse and then they, they're never good and then their egos get all bashed up and they can never be the same person and they turn to whatever the outlet is you know, because they can't deal with not being as good. And for me, I just set my mind at a very young age where it was like, no matter how hard I try, if these are the lanes I'm going down, I will have to break records to be better than my dad. And I was just okay with being Larry Smith's son and being a great football player. And I compartmentalized all of that stuff. And no matter how many times someone said, oh, you're just here because your dad, you're just this. And I just kept telling myself, well, they can't take away my three all Canadians as a university player. They can't take away my stats. I'm the one out there catching a football. So I just learned from a young age to rather than to run from it, to run to it, but accept that if you, if you come short, that you're still coming short to a pretty freaking amazing man, you know? Yeah, man, that is, that is uh, phenomenal. Philosophical. And, <laughs> no, you, you're out there waxing poetical, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but, but for real, yeah. like, this is why I mean I and I, I liked you and I gravitated to you. I mean we met in Toronto at uh, where did we meet? We were at Barrow. I think we were at Barrow. We were at, Bur at the, Barrow and then we went to Versailles. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. But, but, yes. 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 But what I was saying about what I, about you though is 
Um, and you kept it candid talking about the, you know, white, white men's, you know, the fragility of the white man's ego during, you know, COVID. But when I talk about like white privilege and st stuff like that, um, yeah. I'm only, when I say white privilege, yo, I don't mind people having white privilege do something with it. I just hope that everybody yeah, got exactly. some white privilege, but for you, you don't rest on the damn white privilege. You go out there and get shit. Right? Well, like you, you said, yeah. you're going after Thank the football. You were, you, uh, you know what I mean? We're going to talk about the bachelor in Canada in a second, <laughs> but you know, I mean, hell you opened a restaurant. You're out here. You are, you know, you're an actor. You're the baking show. You got your hands and now you got this tech company. You keep doing stuff. And I, you, I mean, what? I mean, you got privilege and you're putting the work to it. So I'm, well, I, yeah. I, I fuck with that, man. And I've always Thank appreciate you, you being like a hardworking dude who isn't just about, yo, I'm a good looking white dude. I'm just going to chill because you could just do that. I appreciate that. And, and to echo back on what you said is one thing that we all have to do, especially as white males, is acknowledge that we do have it first and not deny it. And that's something I've always believed in because, um, growing up in football it's such a diverse place that you see color at an early age and you have to acclimatize because you know whether you're you know white canadian or white american you've experienced being a ally to racism without knowing in some respect right so the important part of that is understanding that you have white privilege and like you said you if you're not going to use it for the betterment of another society well then you damn well better fucking work hard to prove that you're worth it you know boom and now let's talk about The Bachelor. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, Jesus, we're, we're, we're busting some Aristotle type shit. And the next thing it is, how was it to date women on television? So really, how was it to date women on television? Because, <laughs> because dude, it was I the best. Was, dude, it was all right. the best. So I'm watching. I never used, I used to hate The Bachelor. I always think like, this yeah. is the dumbest. Who is watching this? But then I finally watched. I started watching the season that they had the first black bachelorette in America. And I'm yeah, watching Rachel. it and I'm like, yeah, Rachel, I'm like, yo, this is actually entertaining television. I didn't yeah. think I, it, and then to watch and think of the flip side where there's a guy and the guy gets to date all these women for for multiple periods he gets to make out in some cases he might get to hook up for real for real and then at the end he gets to say you know i don't want you i don't want you i want you and they got these women fighting over him how did this happen for you how did this become the thing white privilege um <laughs> and you think i'm joking about that you do it's just when they are creating the show and i was the first uh canadian bachelor okay yes so when they're creating the show they're creating a story and a framework and what they have to do is one of two things on every show either they have a strong lead and then the characters the girls or the guys that fill in are are weak and or they have a weak lead and they make the characters the girls and the guys like terribly dramatic and diverse and strange and crazy and blah, blah. So when they got me, they were, they literally looked and they were like, Oh my God, this is a white kid whose dad is a Senator who played in the CFL, who went to a Canadian Ivy school. I just fit the mold. You know yeah. what I mean? So then when they met me and understood that there was a little depth and personality and a little, you know, like a, a comedic relief to me, it kind of just fell into place. But in the most way that I ever got it was the flip the trippiest. Cause I never, I retired from football. Uh, I ended up breaking my leg, which was a good segue out of the game. Uh, and then I, I was sitting there in Barbados with my parents, <laughs> by privilege, uh, and 
I was sitting and, you know, I was like, Garcon, bring me. No, uh, the phone rang and this girl calls me up and she goes, hey, I'm Heather Muir from The Bachelor Canada. I was like, hung up. I get a call from my friend. He goes, why did you just hang up on that girl? Yeah. Why did you he hang was, up? He was walking down the street with his girlfriend in downtown Toronto, crossing the street. This is a town of 5 million people. And he's crossing the street and his girlfriend goes, I know that girl. That's Heather Muir. She's a casting director. So they, they run into her and Heather says, hey, what's going on? And nothing. I'm casting The Bachelor. My buddy goes, whoa, 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 wait. Guy I played football with my whole life. He goes, do you have your guy? And she goes, no, we have went to 1,500 guys, but you know we're down to six. I think we found him. And he goes, no, you haven't found him. I got the guy for you. And she's like, oh, who the heck is this idiot? And he gave her that little soft pitch. He's a CFL guy. His, uh, you know, his dad is in the Senate. He just fits the mold. He's a good looking kid. And Boom, she called me up. I went into tests and I signed like two weeks later. Wow. Without her passing the street on that fluke occurrence, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now. So why, so, okay, so let's peel that back. Why yeah. initially were you like, I'm good? No, I just hung up. Why did you not want to do it at first? Oh my God, I would want to do it in a heartbeat. I just thought it was one of my friends fucking with me. Oh. <laughs> I was like, nobody from The Bachelor is going to call a kid. And I am open about this. When I left the CFL, I was like, man, I need the least amount of responsibility. I went down to, you've probably been there, uh, Earl's on King Street in downtown yes. Toronto. Yeah. And I bartended there for five months because I wanted the least amount of responsibility. And yeah. they called me when I was bartending. So I was like, there's no way that they're going to spin the most eligible person in Canada into a bartender from Earl's King Street. <laughs> And they did. They somehow through TV magic and a bunch of TV suits. TV magic. <laughs> a bunch of suits, some good editing, and a sock down the front of my pants every show. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, of course not, bro. Okay, so you, yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, anybody listening? Well, you have a girlfriend now. So, hey, it's, yes, yeah. that's off limits. Off limits. <laughs> but, okay. So you're doing The Bachelor, you're going through the whole deal. Are you, okay, when you're shooting this thing, do you actually believe that this person that you're on date number 30 with or whoever could possibly be somebody that you're going to marry? No. Okay. No, not at all. Uh, Never think it, it takes you to, for me personally, and I don't mean any disrespect to anyone, it's a process. My job is to get the girls, and I love that my NDA is up on The Bachelor, but my process is to get 25 down to one, and I have to get one to the end, and then it's up to me to decide what I wanted to do or not. It was, they never forced anything on me. Obviously, they're pushing you in a direction for their show, mm -hmm. which is you got to get down on one knee at the end of this. But, I mean, they, I was relentless. I mean, we were supposed to shoot 13 shows. We only ended up shooting nine because I kept cutting people because I just didn't <laughs> want – we had no, we had such great girls, great personalities, and I just didn't want to hurt people's feelings. And I – listen, when I walk in, they're not going to be all attractive to me and vice versa. Like, I'm not going to be their cup of tea. But what happens is game theory comes on, and then I become – you know, the object of affection through competition, right? Yeah. So at the end of the show, I did get engaged. I was really in lust. I don't know if I was in love per se, but the girl was great. We dated for 11 months after. We never got further than engaged, but I, I you know, I used that part of my life to think that that engagement was, it was, it was on TV, you know, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't real life. Yeah. Yeah, And that's as honest as you'll get an answer from anybody because these guys down in the States are tied up through red tape. And if they even say, oh, a producer did this to me, like it's, guys, you're on a reality show where you're dating people. The producers are going to fuck with you. It's just part of the game. Exactly. You have to be a grown up and say, no, I don't want to do this. Like, like they were going to fire me a week into the show because I was, I was just kind of being like, 
you know, I don't think my person's here. Like, this is a waste of my time. And you guys are really trying to jerk me around. And uh, you, you come to the realization that what are they going to do? Start a new show over? If I say no, you know, are they going to find a new guy and come into these 12 girls and, oh, here's your new guy? No. So just stand up for yourself. Say no. Do what you want to and take the paycheck. Go home. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so and you make go out from, with some girls. <laughs> make out with some girls. Have a good time. You know, this Have is pre-COVID. It's pre-COVID. You can just do what you want to do. No mess. Makeouts. <laughs> so, so after the Bachelor, um, now are you? You know that you want to use this as like a springboard to get into yeah. acting, right? As you had you always had you thought that you wanted to be an actor? Was this something you thought about during football, before football, or was this? Yes. When this happened with the bachelor, you're like, you know what? I could go and yeah. parlay this. So I always, since I was a kid, like, I don't want to disrespect actors because I know how much work they put in. I'm not Johnny off the street who just, but I, I did plays all my way up through. I went to Queens, actually, my university for drama. Like, I didn't want to go to university in, in actuality because I wanted to pursue acting. And my dad said, you know, like, we're not going to support you if you don't get your degree. And I said, understood. And I'd like to have that support. Thankfully, I haven't needed to use it since, but... Uh, no, man, I, I've, I've always wanted to, but I, after the CFL, I just kind of had that 28 year old, 29 year old, um, it's past my time. You know, I can't get in, uh, you know, you, I'm going to have to go to like, you know, the playhouse in, in New York and do a, a submersive program even to get my skills back. So I just kind of said, you know, let's go to Earl's, let's have a fun five or six months, travel the world, come back, work finance. And I gave up on it until... The Bachelor, and then after The Bachelor, I said, well, you know, I think I have a skill set in front of the camera that might be better served as a host. Um, so I reached out to the people at Rogers. Actually, it's a funny story. <laughs> the president of Rogers. So Rogers is like our CBS. It's our big network mm -hmm. in Canada. I'm, I'm on a press junket for The Bachelor, and he shows up at my hotel room at the Ritz, and I get a knock on the door. He comes in, and his name is Scott Moore, and he's a very intimidating man. And he was like, hey, Brad. Uh, so I've been talking to a bunch of people and, and we think you have a, you know, we think we have a real future in front of the camera and uh, we want to offer you the ability to become a sports center, uh, sports net for Rogers, but sports center uh, broadcaster. Would you want to go to Q school? And I said, I appreciate it, sir, but that's not for me. And he goes, you know who I am, right? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I'm very aware. He goes, you know, I just don't show up at random people's house and offer them jobs. And I was like, I appreciate it, sir, but that's not for me. And if I'm going to go on TV, I want to do something that I want to do. And he walked out guy gave me a call two weeks later he says well what do you want to do and I said I want to be an entertainment host because I love movies so much there's nothing I would love to do more than go see movies talk about them talk you know what I mean not the celebrity pop aspect but more like the movie aspect and yeah. they gave me a job being the head of the network's entertainment uh, right then right there dude power of saying no you say no well, and, and it, it happens well, and people, what I've learned in my life, especially successful people who have made it, they, they want people who know that they, what they want. You know how many people, you know how many actors, well, what do you want to do? How many hosts, like what would be your TV show? And they don't know, they just want to act. But it's those people that know exactly what their direction are. Oh, I want to do this. I want to be a character actor. I want to work my, my way up into these seats. I want to be a host here. I want to be a sportscaster. It's the people who know exactly what they want and put their drive towards that that people up top look and say, this guy's got what he's got. He knows what he wants. And if I give it to him, he's probably going to have a better reaction than somebody who's just in it just to be on TV. Exactly. Exactly. And so you went from, from there. So, uh, resto Bomeo. How, how do I say that? Resto Bomeo? Bueno. 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 Resto Bueno. Bueno. Yeah. Bueno. So you decide to be 
a restaurateur chef or you were you chef when you, you had a no, chef? no no so long you story just, short when, when i left this entertainment show uh i joined food network and food network offered me uh, chopped in canada which was the flagship show and i was like great and like with everything that i've always done with the bachelor to this morning show that i ended up hosting because uh, i knew i had that skill set i loved food i went to food so when i went on food network i was like okay how do i leverage the food aspect to create a business that if tv leaves me that i can have an income and the next natural step was to use one of these chefs that i'd seen on all these programs and open a restaurant with them so it was just kind of like a business segue of how do i make sure that the tv doesn't door doesn't close and i can open something up that i can have an an exit to yeah and the burke man we came there when i was visiting yeah. i think the last time i was in toronto we came by yeah. and uh that burger was phenomenal the food everything was was great yeah. is it did covid temporarily close it or what's going on with it so that's a that's a day-by-day -day issue because in canada obviously like we're on the verge of closing again um yeah. so we have not opened like you know I, I tell all my friends who are in restaurants in canada close the doors save up your money take all the subsidies make sure that when you come back you can open and have a fighting chance but right now it's getting p pretty bleak for a lot of canadians especially yeah. those in retail and restaurants yeah yeah and and uh is it just i mean now let's now let's get to uh, you know covid and yeah, the differences between our countries because you guys are closing down and i remember you guys were closed down for a while and Dude. i remember talking to people in toronto and talking to people in montreal and they're like man we just have been shut down is it what's the difference why why is it such a big shutdown over theirs compared to us opening back up so fast trying to get things going like what's the difference it's, it's just a simple form of economics. We have 30 million people. So um, for us to have stimulus bills or what we don't call stimulus, but subsidies. So when you guys run out of subsidy or a stimulus, it's in the trillions of dollars, right? To afford 330 million Americans. For us, uh, because we're more of a socialist country, and I don't want to use that word as we are, but we are trending towards that. We can close down and it's the government's responsibility to give us money mm -hmm. in order to get us by. So they've actually been great at the subsidy program, but what you have going is a lot of people have are just in mass amounts of debt. So whereas you guys get two stimulus checks here, we got one pretty much for our rent every month and for our wages every two weeks. Yeah. So our, our like that's I do have to say like people can say a lot about Canada, but they take care of Canadians. That's oh yeah, saying. you guys took care of. Oh, I mean, I was God. there when my wife, you know, when everything closed down, she was getting you know basically a stimulus check until the job came back. And yeah, exactly. There was no like. There was no uh, complaint. She didn't do anything. It just was there. It, I mean, she like they literally were like, here, it, we got you. Yeah. The only yeah. issue that I have with it was that it almost treated you like a rich parent. It's like, oh, my God, we understand that there's an issue. We love you, but just take some money. <laughs> you know, it was, so it didn't really force people to have foresight. You know, it forced them to adapt, switch to takeout, switch to whatever, digital, pickup boxes, whatever. But it really didn't let them see what the future was. Whereas here, where everything was closed down, people are like, okay, is this what I want to do? Because I'm going to have to come to a real life decision within two weeks here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, hoping that everything works out, man, for, for Resto and, you know, it comes back and you can, you know what, and if, it, and if it doesn't, this is my whole philosophy in life. Like I learned so many good lessons from that. I mean, obviously I'll lose a shit ton of money, but at the same time, like it's, it was that taught being in a small restaurant industry like that taught me more about business than any corporate gig I've ever been in. 
especially when it comes to people. So there's a lot of lessons I can pull from that one and not just say, well, always me, COVID, because I didn't lose. I wasn't not, I wasn't successful. We had the best burger in Toronto two years in a row by the biggest magazines, mm-hmm. right? COVID, you just can't predict. And then the government, you can't do anything about it, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is what, what it, is. it is. All right. So we are a sports show by heart. So yep. are you watching? Are you watching the NFL? Are you an NFL fan? Buddy, I bet every Sunday, bro. <laughs> Do you am, lose every Sunday or are you, are you doing well? Uh, I will not tell you how well I did last year, uh, mainly because I was on a box run. Um, but you, you know how it is. When you play football, it's very easy to bet on football. It's, Duh, not it a is. Very, it's not a very hard process. And when people tell me it's a hard process, I say, no. How do you know? Simple thing. First, look at home and away. First, yes. second, look at weather conditions. Third, look at D-line versus O-line. And fourth, look at who they've played in the past. And that if you do those three things, you're going to have four things, you're going to have a 75% chance of betting yeah. the winner and not on spread because spreads for real idiots who want to lose their money. <laughs> <laughs> but do money line parlays on twos or just do single money lines on the ones like on Green Bay, I cleaned up. Yeah, they kicked a last second field goal to win. But Green Bay money line, you're going to tell me the Green Bay is not going to friggin' win in prime time? You think Aaron Rodgers is going to start off the season being boo-boo against the Saints and then not win in prime time? Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. tell me that. Yeah, I'm a Niner fan, and that really Are you? It hurt. I love the Niners. It hurts. I, I mean, I love Jimmy Chi. Jimmy Chi's he's you know what I'm saying because I, I hate Dude. when I you know because I have a show so I have to kind of be <laughs> hyperbolic about it so I say Jimmy G's terrible he's not terrible he's, he's not terrible not Aaron Rodgers I mean that's the thing and that's the difference though that's the difference between a team that goes to the Super Bowl and a team that doesn't <laughs> having an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady or you either have an amazing defense which we had Just, two years yeah. ago like you Just can only get there you have to have a good good quarterback and an amazing defense or you have to have an a great quarterback and the, he's just not yeah. great he's just not the great. days the days of trent dilfer and the defense winning the super bowl are few and far between now because i think this year is the biggest discrepancy i've ever seen in refereeing because the refs don't know what a penalty is exactly. the game has become such a patty cake game that you legitimately don't know what a holding what a defensive pass interference what an offensive pass interference i saw uh holding and hands to the face called in that game uh uh and it was done by the same player calling it it's just you don't know how to play as a quarterback like if you look at that game when san francisco is going into the half and he intentionally grounds the ball and they don't call that intentional grounding on jimmy g which it was that's seven points right there seven points changed the game Change the, change the game. And they still change won, the but change the game. And I'm sure betters were pissed. Look at all those pass interferences against uh, uh, San Francisco early. Two of them were blatant, but you can't run with your hand on somebody anymore. Like the game is done being physical unless it's between the tackles. Yeah. And these defenses just, you can't, you're not going to have the steel curtain. You're not going to have the 85 Bears. You're not going to have the 2000 Imagine. Ravens. Not Imagine running one-on-one routes against Devontae Adams. <laughs> are you are you insane? Imagine running one-on-one routes as a halfback, not a quarterback, a halfback against Cooper Cup. <laughs> like you can't. What are you gonna do? You can't. It's a free ball. It's yeah. a free ball for Matt Stafford. It's a free ball for Aaron Rodgers. It's just it's if, if unless you can get your hands on those guys in in previous years, like you're gonna see stats being broken at record rates in the next Records. Like, records. Right. Receiving right. records are going to be shattered. Who do you got 
who do you got in the Super Bowl? Oh, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I, like I'm, I'm a Rams fan mostly because I, I'm not a hardcore fan of any team because I didn't grow up playing, watching the NFL. So I go where players are going. Like I loved when Peyton was at Indy. I followed him to Denver. Obviously the same with Tom to Tampa. So I'm a Matt Stafford through and through. He finally gets a good team around him. I think they're going to be pretty freaking surprising. And then I think it's I think it's up for grabs, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't like who who would you call from the other conference? I mean, I I mean the Chiefs until further notice. Like I mean, yeah, even though they just, this past week they didn't look great, but I think that I mean I think it's it's still Mahomes just being a little extra, uh, you know, yeah. extra loose with the ball because yeah. he threw that pick. They could have won this game. I mean, they could have won that game easily. E- easily. Easily. I mean, the game against the Ravens, they could have won that game without that fumble from uh, Edwards Alaire. So yeah. I mean, they're getting just, bad luck right now. Yeah, they're getting bad luck. But I think at the end of the day, when he settles down and decides, okay, I'm not going to be loose with the ball. Let's just play safe. And and then when I do the things I need to do, you know, he yeah. they're going to. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the, in the AFC. Far and away. I don't see any, yeah. maybe besides the Ravens. I think the Ravens, but the Ravens are also injured. I mean, they have a lot of injuries at the running back and their uh, secondary. But I yeah. think at the end of the day, it comes down to the Chiefs and everybody else. And I like the Rams, man. I mean, damn. All they needed was a quarterback. All they needed was a quarterback. Uh, and you know I got to chime in Tell here, Reggie. Yo. Yes, because because Kevin Kevin is a Rams fan. He has season tickets to and I got my and I got my yeah. microphone working. Thank you, Brad, yes. for uh, yeah. being a supporter. Yes, listen, I I love the I love Matt Stafford. I love Cooper Cup. Love what they're doing there. But I, I will say, like, if my heart's in it and, and my and my money's on it right now, I mean, I'd love to see Tampa Chiefs or and secondary Tampa. I'd love to see the Bills finally break through. I mean, they, yeah, I guess uh, that. Josh That's Allen's the- such a stud to watch. Stephon Diggs is such an unbelievable player. I mean, their defense with Tremont Edwards, oh my God. I mean, they're just, they're loaded at every position. It's just Josh makes still to this day rookie quarterback mistakes. He, he looks like he's on the verge of being all pro every play, and then he'll just throw it away for an interception Dude. when they need him, you know? That's the thing about him. Like, he was average for two straight years with all the talent in the world, and then he blew up last year during COVID with no fans. So that is a thing, right? Yeah, it is and a thing. then And then this year, he's looked okay. The first, He looked so-so. The first, I mean, actually, actually, he didn't look good the first two weeks. And then this past week, he looked amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I just – I think, you know, we got to see what's going to happen with this guy in year four. Is this going to be the year – is he going to progress again or is he going to fall back to the mean? And we Listen, shall see. When you make that kind of contract, bro, you have to produce. You, you do. have to because you, you have maybe a season – maybe a season and a half, and if you don't produce, I mean, they're not going to pay you $50 million a year to just walk around and look good at six foot five in a Buffalo uniform. Exactly, exactly. And that is my man, Brad C. Smith. My man, it was so good chatting with you, dog, and appreciating, appreciating you coming on and getting to know a little bit about you and, and hearing about your gambling woes and uh, wins. <laughs> and, uh... Hey, man, I'll show you my portfolio. I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm in NDA right now. I, all I can say is, is that there's a TV show that's gambling-related that I, I'm probably going to end up doing. Oh, man. And, and it's because I'm such a hardcore every Sunday. I'm not talking about betting a lot of money. Like I'm not, I'm not world beating over here, but I make sure that every game is that much more interesting with at least a fin on it. <laughs> yeah. Hey man. Well, I love it. I love it. Appreciate you coming on brother. And that is, I'm probably right. Blue check diaries, Brad C Smith, Kevin Cleveland is running the boards, producing engineering. Thank you so much, sir. Make sure you follow us, rate us, review us, subscribe. 
leave a comment, but don't be hating. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save